Welcome to Prime Time. This week, Christmas special, David the Prime Minister. Part two. Part two. A second Christmas special for exploring the premiership of Britain's favourite and most Hugh Granty Prime Minister, and for connected purposes. Hello, and welcome to Prime Time. We're rating all the Prime Ministers from Robert Walpole to the modern day, via the fictional. I'm John. I'm Rob. And I'm Kess, and today we are going to go back and review everyone's potential favourite Prime Minister, Hugh Grant, a.k.a. David the PM from Love Actually. Ah. And we're going to find out if he gets a Christmas gift 20 years on. Yes, or a lump of coal at the bottom of his stocking. Mm. We should so do that. Naughty or nice. Naughty or nice. (laughs) So, uh, if you remember from last week, the film takes place over the course of five weeks in the run-up to Christmas. And over these five weeks, we get a very brief sense of what Hugh Grant is like as a Prime Minister. And despite this, we somehow managed to make two episodes <laughs> rating and reviewing him. That's more than we got out of Lord Wilmington. Oh, oh that's I mean, true. Yeah, but Carl Surprise. <laughs> so he turns up at Downing Street, he does a terrible wave, he swears a lot at his staff or with his staff, uh, but we get a sense that he's like a nice guy, maybe a little bit. I mean, he bit gives out like some sort of, I don't know, functioning alcoholic. He turns up, he does a terrible wave. <laughs> I think he probably so is a functioning alcoholic. And to be fair, I think the only thing I ever see him eat or drink during the entire film is whiskey. So, yeah, uh, that's a very a good point. Yeah. Oh, um, anyway, so we get to see his cabinet. He's not very good at having a meeting with his cabinet. They all say, Can we do some things? and he says no. And then the president turns up, and he's also not very good at international relations with the president. And he does a big dramatic speech about how America is a big bully. And then he gets lots of applause for that, does a funny, a funny dance, and mucks up international relations with Japan as well. And alongside all this, he's pursuing a slightly dodgy relationship with his catering manager, Natalie. But he's got plenty of time to do this because he's not actually doing any prime ministerial jobs. <laughs> he watches a lot of TV, yeah, that's what true. I noticed. And it's very important that all the way through this, he's preaching a message of love and acceptance whilst creating a toxic work environment. <laughs> <laughs> he then has Natalie fired. It's suddenly Christmas Eve. He gets a Christmas card from Mike Sewers, Lord of the Sewers Crisis, <laughs> and Natalie goes to find her, turns up at a local Christmas nativity play, and that's the end of the film, really. Um, so, a, a bit of a whirlwind. Please go back and listen to our first episode. Don't let that be your impression of what this movie is. <laughs> or consider watching the movie. Or both. True. Why not both? Yeah, why not both? We will not be paid if you watch the movie, but if you tweet... <laughs> Richard Curtis and tell him to listen to our episode <laughs> if you are listening Richard Curtis <laughs> please pay us <laughs> for this advertising we're doing so we're going to jump in today to Prime and Premiership Prime and Premiership okay so brief summary Prime and Premiership bad relationship with the cabinet yeah declares war on America that's bad potentially declares war on Japan we're not quite sure about that one <laughs> We might be snowballing here. Hugely popular with his public. Hugely popular with his public, despite declaring war on both America and Japan. Actually, that potentially makes him a bit of a rabble rouser, doesn't it? Yeah. He's he's beloved. People people love him. I yeah. mean, they're not they're not they don't seem to be sure at first, but after the big speech, 
Yeah, but it, it's a slightly, as John says, a slightly rabble-rousing, slightly populist, slightly let's pick an enemy and really oh have a go Oh my god, is he, is he like extreme right-wing fascist prime minister? <laughs> that, that's a twist I wasn't expecting. mention it in the actual episode. <laughs> <laughs> he gets involved with the local nativity pantomime play thing, so... That's nice. He's involved in local life. Well, not really. He just turns up and snogs his catering manager. He has a starring role. I don't think that's what the kids wanted. But he doesn't realise that he's going to the nativity. Accidentally goes to the nativity. He gets in several times. He is repeatedly re-elected. And ultimately, he preaches a message of love and acceptance. He does. He does. So, what do you reckon? All that we've really had (laughs) thus far has been... A major diplomatic incident with the Americans. And Japan. And Japan. He doesn't get on with his cabinet. Doesn't get on with the cabinet. Lots of mess-ups that he admits to. The the wave. The double wave. The double wave. There, there don't seem to have been many successes. <laughs> it's quite bad, isn't it? But despite that, he's like the most popular Prime Minister. Because when, yeah. when he turns up on stage at the end of the pantomime, like in, in the middle of the nativity show... Every single person in this incredibly packed hall like loses it and it's like, yeah, David, the Prime Minister. I don't know about you, but if I were at my child's pantomime and like Boris Johnson wandered onto the stage, I'd be like throwing stuff at him. I'd be like, you, boo, get off the stage. This is not about that, you. This is a, there was a point at which Boris Johnson was the one politician who could turn any situation into a win. He was trapped during the 2012 Olympics. He was stuck on a... Uh, on a, on a zip line something like an <laughs> hour with nothing but two Union Jack oh, flags that he used uh. to conduct the crowd in singing Jerusalem or something <laughs> it was ludicrous and he made it work and I have to say much as he well we'll have a lot to say about him yeah, when we get we'll to get him but but the, the, there is something there is a, a an inherent skill in turning a negative situation to your advantage, which Hugh Grant apparently has. That's true. Mm. I think he, there is something Johnsonian to him. That sort of charming, yeah. bit chaotic, mm. but in a in a sort like, of like he is messing stuff up, yeah. and yet despite this, he's so popular. Like everyone loves him. Mm. He's just won the election, and true. there's a lot to say that prime ministers are actually in their strongest moments right after an election when essentially you can't get rid of them yeah they've True. they've just been it would be embarrassing to get rid of them for the party and everybody else has just had their chance however i can reveal as a slight spoiler for tenure that he does get voted back in and then back in again as far as we know he serves a total of three terms so he's got to be pretty popular consistently throughout that time and the radio plays a song for him. I, Although he does a bunch of stuff which objectively is really dumb, it just seems to work out for him, which is actually just a summary of the entire plot of Love, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's kind of positive overall. I mean, I think it sort of has to be from the perspective that he's not a negative character. Yeah. Um, but it is a... It is a weird one. Let's just do loads of random stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is weird. But I mean, the, the few things that I actually see that he does, they they may be popular in the immediate aftermath. But I'm just not convinced that this is a guy setting himself up for a very successful premiership. But he he literally serves three terms. So I mean, how yeah. unsuccessful can he be? No, you're right. I mean, to be fair, Lord North stuck around for quite a long time, and oh. he lost us the colonies. But did he lose us the colonies five weeks into his first premiership? I don't know true. yet. And in this and in this one, we haven't lost the colonies. We still have the Suez Crisis. We're naming knights after. Yes, <laughs> yeah, true. We actually won the Suez yeah. Canal. 
yeah, I think I, maybe I'm not as impressed as you are, but I, I agree that they're, it clearly can't be that bad. I, I have some points ready. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to go four and a half. Okay. I'm going to go six. Interesting. Because okay. I, think, I think despite doing things that of apparent absolute lunacy, <laughs> he somehow makes it work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to credit him for that. I'm also going to go six. And I'm doing it because I think that his overwhelming message is one of love and positivity. And so I think <laughs> I can only score him positively. That's oh, so wholesome, John. John. Look at you full of Christmas cheer. <laughs> Well, as the old grumpy cynic, I, yeah, I think I'm still going to go four and a half. I, I think that, yeah, maybe he sort of bumbles through and makes it work for a very long time. But just the things that I see, I'm worried. So that's a total of 16.5 points for Primate Premiership. Life and Legacy. So what I've got for Life and Legacy, because obviously in Life and Legacy we're, we're judging him from modern day standards, which is quite funny because this film was only <laughs> yes, made 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and yet Those he backward days. offers to have a man killed. Uh, yeah. He tolerates fat jokes. He makes some off-colour jokes about perverts. Uh, he gets in a relationship with his catering manager and he also gets her fired. Um, he makes the police drive him around on Christmas Eve because he wants to get laid. He commits lots of crimes while doing that. On the upside, on the other hand, he does stand up for his country. Yep. He does offer to have a man killed because he was being mean to a woman. Now, I personally <laughs> am in favour of that. I think that he deserved okay. to be killed. Yeah. His cabinet and its staff are not all white men, but... He does some definitely dodgy stuff. So I will just point out something that we've not been very good at is that life and legacy isn't just about what they left behind them and judging them by the standards of today. It's also about whether or not they had an interesting life. Well, unfortunately... <laughs> we don't know a huge amount about his life. It was entertaining enough to be put it in was, a film. It was pretty Ooh. entertaining in the five weeks leading up to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I suppose that is that is another side of it. We're doing the politics, but we're also doing just the are they an interesting, prime-timey sort of person. I mean, mm. if we're looking at does he have a legacy, he definitely has a legacy. I definitely think that if there were, like, a poll of British, most popular British prime ministers, I think, despite <laughs> being fictional, Hugh Grant would win that poll. Also, in terms of legacy, it is worth noting that he has been referenced by several MPs and, indeed, prime ministers. So UKIP MP Douglas Carswell accused David Cameron of using David the Prime Minister as a model for his premiership. He said, and I quote, I think they've just watched Richard Curtis's Love Actually and think it's a manual for how to govern the country. Former Prime Minister Tony Blair referenced the speech. Oh. He said, I know there's a bit of us that would like me to do, not sure how grammatically that works, but uh, <laughs> I know there's a bit of us that would like me to do a Hugh Grant in Love Actually and tell America where to get off. But the difference between a good film and real life is that in real life, there's the next day, the next year, the next lifetime to contemplate the ruinous consequences of easy applause. So a bit of a slagging yeah, off from Tony Blair there. Off. Precisely why I gave him four and a half. I think I, I agree with Tony. But, yeah, but Tony Blair's referencing him as like yeah. a prime minister. And it's <laughs> like a, a reference. bad touch point. Yeah, That's but he's a like, negative everyone legacy. will recognise this. Yes, legacy. He this has a legacy. legacy yeah. mm. I think it's a positive one. The dance, the speech. These are iconic moments to be referenced by actual prime ministers. All right. Are we ready with some, some points here? I... I am, actually, yeah, Rob. 
I think I'm going to jump in first. Go with, I'm going to give him a 5.5. Oh, harsh. Mm. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit harsh. Okay. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to go six. I think I'm not going to be overly full of Christmas generosity, but I think a little better than five and a half. I'm going to give him a seven again. I think his legacy is massive. Yeah. I think I think everyone knows the film of actually, and everyone knows David the Prime Minister, and he comes across positively in the film. Um, I have just realised we are so restrained in the way that we're both like. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to go for a five point five. I'm just wondering because <laughs> I think he's really good. Yeah. You're like so hard. It's like about as mediocre as it gets. You're so right. Our scoring system goes from three to seven. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything else would be extravagant yeah. wasteful even <laughs> god I can't give him an A <laughs> so that's a total of 12.3 points for life and legacy sin and sincerity so he lies to his sister yes and his sister is Emma Thompson he hangs up on Emma Thompson and then he lies to her again when he turns about the nativity and pretends to be there for her horrid son and the lobster girl. <laughs> and he also does that whole speech just because he fancies his catering manager. And he gets a woman fired because he fancies her. Yes. And a lot of road traffic offences. Yes, there is that, actually. The road traffic offences. Uh, he's, he's a he's a, a wrong one. He's, he's definitely cultivating a, a not very nice working environment for his, for his mm. employees. Quote of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our fun Christmas special. <laughs> yeah, honestly. It's th- not great, is it, actually? No, as... He's not very sincere. And when he go- <laughs> Sorry, when he goes- we title the film, not great, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he goes around Wandsworth, he also like fully throws his cabinet under the bus and he's like, oh, we're really crap, sorry. Yeah, he does. That's a little bit of a thing. I mean, maybe less so nowadays with the sort of modern era where anybody might be holding a recorder but I could totally imagine basically any politician yeah, of the fair. 1900s slagging off every other politician <laughs> at any possible opportunity just to get out of that awkward situation when you've knocked on a door and the person you're looking for isn't there that's true but also if the cabinet's rubbish you chose them yeah he's only five minutes into his yeah. prime ministership yeah no I, I'm I'm not impressed he, he comes off he can be a little bit charming he stands up for the country a bit he develops clearly a, a stable relationship with Natalie going forward. So maybe there are some sort of positive attributes of his character. I trust Natalie to be a decent judge of people. Yeah. And she stayed with him. So that's something. But there is there's quite a lot of stuff. Certainly initially, the stuff that we see in these first few weeks, maybe he's exhausted, maybe he's a bit overwhelmed by the whole thing, but he really does act out quite badly. I have a positive thing. Oh, okay. In the future. Ah, yes. Yeah. So we, we, will, we will come to that in tenure. But there is a sequel to Love Actually that came out in 2017. It was the Red Nose Day, actually. Uh, and we see in that that David, the Prime Minister, is in fact back as Prime Minister. He falls over while dancing. Yeah. And in a press conference, yeah. he tells the truth. Oh, he does. He's like, I've broken my arm because I was dancing to Hotline Bling. I mean, he yes. actually tells them what he's done, which is, I mean, that's ballsy, but it's also very honest. But he was dancing to Hotline Bling in the first place. I think that's simple. <laughs> I don't think that's well. Okay. <laughs> you see his dancing? Yeah, it's. I don't think that's truthful enough, and I think that's the sort. But that's not like a, a real confession. I think that's quite a sort of charming truth. I think that's the truth because everybody laughs. 
I think he's he's been a bit of a rotter. Rob's very unforgiving if you grant the prime Basically, minister. now that I've said that our scoring system goes from three to seven, I'm determined not to, <laughs> to do something other than that. Oh, you're going to give him like a two. That's, Can ooh, I go two point five? No, no, no. Rob, he is compared to like Robert Walpole, who's literally <laughs> like profiting from slavery. I don't think it's that bad. And being like are less we, corrupt. Uh, <laughs> are we ready with some points here? Uh, yeah. Yeah, go on. Yeah, somebody. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go four. <laughs> I'm also going to go four. Yeah. I'm also going four. Oh, we were actually in agreement. Mm, he's a little bit, little bit sinful, but not like he's not done yeah. anything fun or saucy. No. So that's eight points for sin and sincerity. Majority. We have no idea, but we have two options here. So we could give him a five. We could just be like, look, we have no data. We're going to give him the absolute average. It's not good. It's not bad. Whatever. Or slightly more interesting option we could go with the exact majority of the then real-time british prime minister and that would be tony blair tony blair had a very comfortable majority one of the best he did it was very and big it's worth noting that hugh grant does seem very comfortable and popular yeah because as Cass says he's definitely very comfortable He's cruising on a, on a big election. He can, you know, be very rude about his cabinet. He can stand up to the Americans. He can dance around Downing Street. He can dance yeah. around Downing Street. Everyone claps him. As, uh, the public claps him when he basically gate crashes a children's nativity play. <clears throat> Clearly he's got something. Well, I think that would mean that he'd be the third prime minister in a row to get a majority of ten. In fact, fourth if this comes out after Henry Pelham. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do offer points that aren't ten for majority. We just haven't hit one yet. <laughs> Go on. We're being Go on. generous. It's Christmas, Eager. It's Christmas. Okay. But we uh, uh, we withhold the right to alter that later if we decide that. <laughs> <laughs> After Christmas, when we're ever grumpy and on our diet. John diets. giveth, John taketh away. <laughs> Tenure. So, we do actually have data on this. Thanks to a Red Nose Day special put out in 2017, the special opens with the information that, that Hugh Grant is back in office after five years away. So Love Actually Ooh. originally came out in 2003, so that gives us roughly nine years in office, so 2003 to 2012. So that's about two terms, followed by, obviously, then another term in 2017. So roughly we're saying about 13 years, three terms as Prime Minister. Wow, that's not bad. It's pretty good, right? That's a big one. That means that with at least 4,380 days, <laughs> he gets 9.5. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, that's a him. long time. I think I know exactly why he came back. Ooh, okay. Because I think it's arguable that coming back as Prime Minister is the best way to up your... <gasps> Oh, has he come back as a duke? Prime time score. He's not come back as a duke. We'll, let, we'll talk about that, but um, no. But um, it is the yeah, best way to have a prime time score. It absolutely is. Did he come back specifically because he knew one day? <laughs> Prestige points. So, peerage. He does not appear to have a peerage. He's David the PM. He doesn't seem to be Sir David, Lord David, Duke David, anything like that. And also, Hugh Grant doesn't have one. So he doesn't have like an MBE uh, or anything like that. Really? Yeah. 
And when I was looking this up, I was trying to work out whether Hugh Grant had a peerage. So I looked up Hugh Grant peerage <sighs> and I couldn't find any information about him having a peerage. But I did find out his middle name. Would you like to know Hugh Grant's middle name? I would. His middle name is Mungo. Mungo? Which makes his full name... Hugh Mungo. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, poor guy. Mean parents. Yeah. Which I think is title enough. <laughs> it is. So, I do want to point out that in a different film, somewhat inappropriately called White Mischief... <laughs> God. I know, right? Hugh Grant played Hugh Chumley, Third Baron Delamere. Oh. And Hugh Chamley, third Baron Delamere, is a descendant of Sir Robert Walpole. <gasps> is he? Really? Mm. He did also play Lord Byron in a film one time. Oh. So, are we crediting him for this? No, so I think the thing about all of this stuff is that it's supposed to be that they're supposed to get it as a thank you for their work as PM. Okay. And I think if Hugh Grant, the actor, had received an OBE or something, then I'd be prepared to give him that. But sure. yeah. I don't think that... I think, if I think that's fair. you are listening, King Charles, please... Shout out to King Charles. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so no points for peerage. No. Progress. Nope, he is no. a posh white man, and Hugh Grant, we can confirm, went to Oxford. Practice. I do not think that he held any of the fancy offices. There's no indication in the film that he did. I severely oh. doubt that he was ever... Foreign Secretary. <laughs> <laughs> he would have picked up a thing or two about diplomacy yes. if he had Or been. Home Secretary, given how much he breaks the law. <laughs> yes, you're right. So really, it's just Chancellor of the Exchequer yeah. that we have left. And he doesn't mention money even once. No. Or have a stiff drink. You're right. So. Well, there we go. No points for practice. Violence. So, he is not a priest. No, I was going to say. <laughs> or a lawyer. But I think he should get a point from this, for this. On the basis that Hugh Grant, in his film career, has played a priest, a lawyer, a preacher, and a vicar, and a cardinal. Yeah, there's... Ooh, that's so, a lot of religious so stuff. so many things. Yeah. So I think the thing And a that, pirate captain, but I don't know if that counts. <laughs> the thing that really appeals to me about this is that parlance, which we give to any prime minister who's done one of a number of things that allows them to be referred to in a special way in the house, none of them have been a priest. But being a priest is explicitly one of the things that gets you that. Hugh so Grant has been a priest. The idea yeah. that it would kick in for a fictional PM is excellent. I think we should give it him. Yes. He's, he's been a cardinal. That's really reverend. Yeah. 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 Mega Still rev. agreed? Yep. Yep. That's, Hugh Grant. That's, that's humongo rev. Holding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He has had three terms as prime minister and at least Two of them were consecutive, so we know that he contested an office to get into an election, rather to get into prime minister, and also successfully contested another one while already prime minister. Yep, well done him. Okay, so now we get to the big totting up, John. So, does anyone want to hazard a guess? Oh my god! Okay, where do you think David comes in? Well, he's definitely better than Wilmington. What did yeah. we give him for that first one? We gave him like six, four, five. I think it was two sixes and a four and a half. Okay. Yeah, that, that was all right. He, he gets again big tenure, big majority. He Do loses we... a bit in the others. I think he's going to be similar to Walpole. I'm going to say maybe just under. I, I'm feeling he's he feels about fifty or maybe just above. So Walpole has fifty-eight point seven. Yeah. And David has fifty-eight point. 
three. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> oh, it was so close. Yeah, because oh, he wow. got 19 and a half points oh, in his majority no. in tenure. Oh, yeah. it was so close. That's huge, so he's, he's pretty much come out at the same as Robert Walpole. Mm. Congrats. Just, just behind. Being real. <laughs> so, Hugh Grant, I know that you have been in many films. You've had probably been nominated for many awards. But... Yeah, this is big. This is the big one. <laughs> this is the big one. Is David <gasps> the Prime Minister... Right on or right off? I mean... <sighs> It, it's so many points. It's, it's he's got. It's come on. He's got to be he's a right one of on. the greats. We're so <laughs> incredibly <laughs> restrained. <laughs> so I think in his favour, uh, Love Actually is an enduring and much beloved Christmas film. Yeah, he is very statesmanlike. At I mean, times. at times, <laughs> he comports himself with dignity. At times, and doesn't become overly political. Yeah, well, that's true. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Almost no politics in any of his 13 years as Prime Minister. <laughs> okay, but maybe I'm being overly generous. It's a much-beloved Christmas film, and the message that it sends about love is, you know, ultimately one that does touch many a heart. I love that John keeps coming back to, like, it's all about love. And... It is all about it love. Is. Rob and I are just like, hey, he was hilarious. He's... <laughs> It would have been more about America. love if they hadn't cut the lesbian subplot, but, you know... Wait, there was a lesbian subplot? There was a lesbian subplot. So the school teacher at one of the schools um, was supposed to have lost her girlfriend, essentially. Oh, I want the lesbian subplot, but I don't want a sad lesbian subplot. I think Emma Thompson deserves the fun lesbian subplot. <laughs> I don't yeah. think you could. Well, Richard Curtis, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm not sure that you could describe either Emma Thompson or her character as being a lesbian when she's been married to a man for quite a long no, time. No, but he's rubbish. I think she should break up with him and get a girlfriend. Hers is the saddest story. Yeah, it is. I think she it should. She should end up with Joni Hugh Grant's Mitchell. chief of staff. She should end up with Joni Mitchell or Joni Mitchell. Anyway, back to David. Back to David. Yeah, I. You know what? I mean, I know we might have a vote, but I am pretty keen on giving it to him. All right, I think it's agreed. I think the uh, the eyes have it. The eyes have it? I think the eyes have it. Congratulations, David. Congratulations, David, comma, from Love Actually, open brackets, played Hugh by Hugh Grant. <laughs> no surname. No surname. <laughs> and that is our... Christmas special. Christmas special. Or is it? Because I had a little theory about oh, the film, which I have watched, and I've also watched the little comic relief remake later on. And my theory about this film, which I think I've come up with all by myself, <laughs> is that the writers of Love Actually can see into the future. And they have consistently predicted quite a lot of our political developments over the last 20 years or so. I love this theory. Tell us more. So my theory starts with... <laughs> We have decided that which party is the love actually oh, we haven't from. we haven't actually discussed this. I have a very strong opinion that he is a conservative prime minister, and my evidence for this is he is a posh white dude, which doesn't necessarily mean that he's conservative. Have you seen some Labour prime ministers? Yes, I don't know if you've noticed but this, but actually, all, all of the all of the prime ministers who haven't been posh yes. white dudes have been conservatives. Oh, interesting. Actually, fair, that is fair, true. fair point. Well made. Uh, however, he is pretty posh. 
Um, yep. Also, he is wearing a blue tie when he arrives at Downing Street. In fact, two blue ties uh, <laughs> when he arrives at Downing Street. He has a framed portrait of Winston Churchill and Margaret Thatcher in his personal private office. And then he does like a weird little misogynistic banter with Maggie Thatcher, which I don't think, A, I don't think a Labour prime minister would have that those portraits. And B, I don't think they would be like, hey, jokes, banter, banter with Maggie Thatcher. I think this is completely right. I think that's all absolutely fair. So I think if we say that he is conservative, that's our first point when we're working out how the future has been predicted. Our next little point comes from the dance, when he dances round the Downing Street flat. Does it? Intriguing. Now then, he dances in a number of places, but one of the places he dances is the staircase. Yes. What do we know about the Downing Street staircase? Literally nothing at all. It has, both in the film and in real life, prime ministerial portraits all the Prime Ministers, one after the other, in portraits going up to the top of the stairs. Okay. He starts his dance at the top of the stairs, and in the film we can see the Prime Ministers on the wall. They're pretty accurate. There's a bit where I think they miss the 1920s and 1930s, but most of the Prime (laughs) Ministers are there. And the Prime Minister at the top of the staircase is Tony Blair. So, does this mean that David follows Tony Blair? I don't think so, because he's just won an election, which means that the Prime Minister who's just outgoing hasn't had enough time to have his portrait put up. Because it takes a bit of time to put a portrait up. So the fact that Tony Blair is the last portrait makes me think that Love actually has realised that the sequence will go Tony Blair, another Prime Minister, and then a young, fresh, conservative leader wins an election, and he's called David. (gasps) So you say this, but I really didn't see any coalition negotiations for all... Well, well, we don't know. From 2003, when David Cameron was still a nobody. Uh, I've also got footage of David Cameron arriving at Downing Street, and he's wearing a blue tie. (gasps) Is he waving with both hands? That's why I'm skipping very quickly through this to see if he's waving with both hands. I somehow doubt it. He's making a weird speech. Unless he's trying to demonstrate that he's giving his speech without notes. Yeah, no, he's... Uh, oh, he does a one... Oh, no, he does a one-handed wave. All right, so what's your next bit of the prediction of the future? My next bit of the prediction is in the 2017 remake. The point that we have made is he comes back. Well, who else has just come back after a time out of office? Oh. David Cameron has just come back from time out of office. <laughs> Admittedly, the Love Actually people thought he'd come back as Prime Minister. He actually came back as Foreign Secretary. But it's pretty close. <laughs> so what you're saying is that none of us can ever enjoy Love Actually again, because we have to assume that it's, it's David, David Cameron. Cameron. It's David Cameron. Oh, also, also, he breaks up with a big world power. <gasps> I hadn't even thought of that. You're so right. Again, these are pretty close. My third point, which is even more extraordinary. During this press conference that Love Actually David Cameron holds in the remake... He calls a couple of journalists in order. The first one is called Bernard. He calls him Bernard. Probably a reference to Yes Minister, the favourite, one of the characters is called Bernard. But the name of that actor is Keir. <laughs> the actor is called Keir Charles. And then the second reporter who he calls, he actually says Keir. And the person who stands up is an actual journalist doing a little cameo whose name is Keir. And not only is this journalist <laughs> called Keir, he's called Keir Brennan-Simmons, he currently works for NBC, his full name is Keir Hardy Brennan-Simmons, Keir Hardy being the first leader of the Labour Party, after whom Keir, Keir Starmer was named. <laughs> this is hilarious. This is like the Simpsons predicting 
President Trump, Rob, isn't it? Welcome to Rob's Conspiracy Theories. I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. What, what could make love actually more Christmassy than the fact that it contains prophecy? Past, present and future. Ooh. It predicts David Cameron really accurately. It and then changes. he comes back and now it's predicting Keir Starmer, <laughs> who maybe will follow, immediately follow this David Cameron coming back thing. I mean, this is all getting quite deep into a conspiracy theory about a world that I don't think anybody put that much thought into. Except for me, and I think that's exactly what happened. I just want to say that it has been such an amazing pleasure launching this podcast and having an audience. And and it's just the most amazing Christmas present that I could ever receive is to have an excuse to hang out with my friends and have a really wonderful time and have other people enjoy the things that we're creating. How cool is that? Rob's going to cut all of this. No, that's a nice bit. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I'm cutting from earlier in the episode, but not this one. It has been absolutely lovely. Thank you all so very much indeed for joining us. It's been such a real, real pleasure. And just to see the listeners grow in number, new countries coming on board, the big primetime family. It's all really lovely. So thank you so much. It's lovely, actually. Oh, it is lovely, actually. This was the right on, David, the Prime Minister, or Hugh Grant, from Love Actually. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at primetime underscore cast. Twitter, we put a lot of very funny memes and Instagram, lots of behind the scenes pictures of Podcat. Or you can write in at writeonwriteoff at gmail.com. We'll be back in 2024 with Lord Bath. But in the meantime, we wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Have a wonderful festive season. And remember, never flinch, never weary, never despair. And Merry Christmas. Do I not get... Mobile. Yeah. And I hate I'm you. <laughs>